Father, we ask of you that you'll minister to us, Lord. Minister your word. Let it bring correction. Let it bring change. Let it bring change that is sustainable, that, is, that will stay with us, Lord. Your word that comes to us today will stay with us. will accomplish completely, fully accomplish the purpose for which it was sent. Thank you, Father, for what you're going to do. Minister to your people in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. It's our time to shine the light and to shine the, shine the glory of God, to, to be bright with the glory of God. Amen. So make sure that you, you uh, respond right. Make sure that you position your, yourself right. And don't just hide behind the baggage like Saul. He was hiding behind the... It was his time to shine. Do you know that? It was Saul's time to shine. God handpicked him. God handpicked him, anointed him. Amen. Give him a mandate. And when he was sought after to, to be coronated, to be uh, given the crown, ordained as a king, or to be proclaimed as a king before the people, he was hiding. Say hiding. Man, he was hiding. Hiding behind. Don't, don't hide behind the baggage of your self-evaluation, of your pride, your ego. Man, this is our time to step up. Amen. Our time to shine bright. Man, to shine the light, to reveal His glory. And if we live under the standard, then we will miss out on what God has intended us to, to do through us. When God intended to do, to do something through Saul, we are looking at that story. Oh, what, a, what an incredible story that is. Just to consider the, the, the details of this man who was called, given a mandate by God, but he messed it up. Man, and it is recorded in God's word. Why? So that we will not mess it up. Do you know that? Saul is mentioned in the Bible. Praise God for Saul's story being mentioned in God's word because it is written in God's word so that we will not blow it up like he did. Absolutely. So go, get off the wrong pursuits in life. Say wrong pursuits. Get off. Get off the wrong pursuits in life. Let there be more clarity in the things that you do. More conviction. Now, every day must be of a higher conviction on the things that you do. Man, don't waste your time on the wrong pursuits. I was talking to a young man the other day, and it was interesting. Just, I was just listening. I was, not, I was not talking. I was just listening. I don't often do that, but this time I was listening for a change. So I was just listening, uh, you know, and just allowing him to um, speak, and he was talking so confidently of his pursuits in life. You know, sometimes when you are pursuing something so passionately, there's a lot of confidence in the way you express it. So this young man, a full-blooded young man, was so passionate about the things that he said, very confident. He has chalked it all. He's chalked it down completely, figured it out entirely on how to maneuver his way so that he will reach where he wants to, where he wants to reach. Amen. And he is like, in his conversation, is laughing at others who have not stayed the course and you know, they've, they've gone some other direction. He's like, you know, just despising them in, in, in a good way. And I said, despising them in a good way because he's so confident. Say confident. Sometimes when you're so confident, you despise everyone else. So this person was so confident about his pursuits and you know, during the few minutes that I got to speak to him or he got to speak to me, you know, uh, this believer, say believer. 
when you speak to believers there must be some expectancy what do you expect you want to hear what the lord is doing right and what the lord is speaking see whatever you speak makes no sense if god has not stamped a seal of approval on it you know that you get to converse with somebody you get to talk to somebody you can talk big say big say big we all know to talk big arrogantly or you know with so much of pomp and pride we can talk with all that but if the the lord has not endorsed what you speak if he has not approved of what you are you're saying i mean it does not make any sense so i was just waiting to to i, I was waiting for the evidence has the lord given him a word concerning it there's no mention of that through the entire conversation there was no mention of whether he heard from god whether he um whether god spoke to him it was just about what he feels say what what i feel now some of you are on a on a pursuit based on what you feel man we're going to we're going to talk about that in detail today by the way but are your pursuits approved by god hello are your pursuits approved of god approved by god if not your pursuits are empty pursuits man and like i said we don't want we don't have time to waste chasing after emptiness and becoming empty you chase after emptiness you will become empty that's what the bible says so if you're chasing after the wrong thing the wrong dream the wrong ambition the wrong desire the wrong destination you are chasing after emptiness and you will become empty are you with me hallelujah so to start with what must we do to start with we must ask the lord to show us those wrong pursuits in life which we never do which we seldom do when is the last time you asked the lord to reveal to you the wrong pursuits in life some of you think that there are no wrong pursuits in my life you're so confident like the, the young man that i spoke to the way he spoke was so confident i mean the world will not find fault with that no man would find fault with the way he spoke but where is the evidence of god, god having spoken to you where is the proof that you have a word for what you're doing man the direction has come from god otherwise you're wasting say wasting it might look good but you're wasting your time it might seem right but you're wasting your time amen you might be doing a very small trivial looking thing but if god has asked you to do it you're <laughs> i'm telling you that counts in heaven that counts in heaven that counts in heaven maybe it will not count in the eyes of man but see we what we do is uh, is measured the benchmark of our work the benchmark of our pursuits is not an earthly benchmark hello somebody listen to me the uh, the benchmark of our pursuit is not an earthly benchmark the the way in which God, see the way in which our our benchmarks are to be measured is not earthly is heavenly god has a yardstick by which he measures man that's the word the word that came to you your pursuits are measured by the word which came to you hello that's the measure the the standard the unit amen by which god measures your pursuits if you truly want to serve the lord then you got to serve him with all your heart say all your heart all your heart. say undivided heart and may this word remain with you even when you go out from this place may this word 
remain with you. God wants an undivided heart. How divided is your heart? Yeah, physically your heart is divided into four chambers. But what about spiritually? How, how does your heart look? If a cross-section of your spiritual heart, amen? If a cross-sectional view of your spiritual heart, how does it look? How, divide, how many clusters do you have in your heart? How many clusters do you have in your heart? God desires for your heart to be undivided. That's right, with all your heart. Not a section of your heart. Love the Lord your God with a quarter of your heart. Maybe half of your heart. A percentage of your heart. No. All your heart. When you, when, when, you, when you learn to do it, when you realize that that's what God is after, and when you yield to it, you will begin to live light. It's very easy to wake up in the morning, no pressure, no tension. You can go back to sleep, no tension, no pressure, because you are not following anything else. You're following what God wants you to follow. Man, you don't have any selfish ambitions or your ulterior motives in, in the way you live your life. It's all about God. What does the Father want? What does the Holy Spirit want from me today? What does he want me from me today? It's all about, you, know, you, you, you become so tuned into what God wants to do. You are undivided in your pursuits. You are one purpose. You, 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 don't take holidays, you don't take holidays from God. You don't take holidays from God. Are you with me? I've, I've been so busy. It's not being able to do anything for the Lord. I'm, I'm, this, 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 is, this season is like that. I'm, I'm so caught up with so many things. That's not how it is supposed to be. When you walk with Jesus, you have time for everything. You have time for everything that he has asked you to do. Man, hallelujah, somebody, somebody, somebody receive. So we've been considering the story of King Saul. Say King Saul. King Saul, an interesting character he is. You know, the, these past few weeks we were looking at this character, his rise from obscurity to royalty. He was an obscure man. Nobody knew this guy. From the, his rise from obscurity to royalty. And uh, we, as we considered him further, we realized there's a, a huge disparity between his personality and his character. His personality is so charming. He's a choice man. man sought after man. Handsome looking guy. But his character is nowhere close to that. Are you with me? Hello? Are you bothered about it? I, I hope you're bothered about it. I hope you're bothered about it that there is a disparity, there can be a disparity between what? Between your personality and your character. And God is mindful of it. Hallelujah. And his failure to meet the expectations of God. God raised him up, pulled him out of obscurity, positioned him in royalty, gave him a mandate, but his utter failure to meet the expectations of God. Why? Because he was so self-centered. Say self-centered. He was so egoistic. He was all about himself. He was all about him. He was not open for correction. He forgot. See, he forgot. He forgot what God commanded him. See, see that, is the, that is the ultimate. If you're somebody who forgets what God has commanded you, that's like the, the ultimate. And you can't go beyond that. You're forgetful of what the Lord has given you, the word that, that came to you, the instruction that came your way. You can't remember it. You, can, you can't remember the details of the word that came to you. 
you can't remember the that prophetic word which came to you you're like somebody has to remind you and then you're like did i really hear that from god you can't remember what the lord spoke to you yesterday do you know that some of you don't i'm telling you there are somebody some people here in this church right now who can't remember what the lord spoke to you yesterday i can see all kinds of expressions i'm telling you and we live like that we can't remember what the lord spoke to us yesterday we can't remember what the lord spoke to us through the week we can't remember what the lord is dealing with us or how the lord is dealing with us in this season because we are so disconnected say disconnected and we have a way of living our lives so disconnected from what god is doing but whereas we are connected with everything we are connected with our friends we are connected with our circle we are connected with uh, our passions we are connected with fun entertainment we are so well connected but how connected are you with what god is doing and what god is speaking and what god is demanding hello are you with me the, the, the this man saul the man who foolishly messed up the god given opportunity of a lifetime he messed it up can you believe it the the very first time israel is going to have a king god called this man and said you're going to be the king and you're going to deliver you're going to be the ruler over my inheritance you're going to deliver my people from the philistines he said all that but he so foolishly so foolishly messed up the god given opportunity of a lifetime he messed it up and i'm going to i'm going to show you from god's word how he messed it up now his terrible failure is expressed in the words of samuel the prophet you know after uh, you know that that incident where you know he took things into his own hands and when they were at war against the philistines he he was supposed to stay at gilead for how many days okay some of you don't remember that how many days did samuel ask him to stay at gilead says seven days is it gilead or gilgal huh okay let's look look gilgal that's right gilgal so god asked or samuel asked very clear prophetic word came to saul and said seven days you remain at gilgal after which i will come down to you and offer the sacrifices and i will tell you what to do after that clear word so a man now has become a king and he's he's fighting the wars his son is also by his side and you know he's so like you know so desperate to do something and uh, you know and what happens next he royally messes up completely forgets what god has asked him to do let's look at that um uh, before we look at what samuel told him uh you know where samuel took, he took the matter into his own hands so let's let's before that i want you to read first samuel 10 and verse 8 on the screen you shall go down before me to gilgal so look at this this is what he asked him to do wait for him 7 days after which he would be told what to do is it clear there verse 10 verse 8 yeah you shall wait 7 days until i come to you and show you what you should do simple word okay at the end of the seven days now go to first samuel okay don't don't go there we'll re- we'll be reading that in a while at the end of seven days saul rushed say rushed so we are we are like that we are so hasty say hasty always hurrying into things 
So Saul was like, okay, he's waiting. Seven days he waited for Samuel to come. Uh, at the end of the seven days, Samuel didn't turn up. And, uh, you know, he just felt, now I should take things into my own hands. So he rushed into things by offering up sacrifices by himself instead of waiting for the prophet to come. Okay, and let's look at what Samuel told in 1 Samuel 13 and verse 13. Samuel said to Saul, you have? Say it loud. All of you together, I want to hear all of your voices one more time. One more time. You have acted, say foolishly. You have acted foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. Look at the next phrase. The next phrase, okay? For now the Lord would have. What does it say? For now the Lord would have. One more time. For now the Lord would have. For, the now, for now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. What? You have acted foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For now the Lord would have. For when? For not later. For now the Lord would have. Because that's the only word which came to him is, stay here for seven days. It's a, say it's a test. It's a test. When God gives you a word, it's a test of your character. It's a test of your character. The word which comes to you, the word that you're hearing Sunday after Sunday, the word that you've been hearing at your quiet time, the word that you've been studying in Bible study, your personal Bible study, is a test, a test. It's a test of your character. Uh, you can just sit and like, you know, put your feet up and then sleep on it and forget completely what the Lord has spoken to you. And when the time of the testing comes, you will be found having acted foolishly. Like how Saul acted foolishly. For now the Lord would have. This was your test. Now the Lord would have established your kingdom forever. But because you acted foolishly and you missed out on the opportunity, you're not going to get it. The first king royally missed it. Say royally missed it. Now this, I mean, when I, when I read this the other day, it actually caused me to shiver. To hear that the Lord would have done something for me in my life, if not for my haste. Hello. The Lord would have some, done something for you if not for your, think about it. You're so hasty. You just want to do it. You just want it. You want to do it now. But for, look at that. For now the Lord would have. We must be so watchful about how we do life. So watchful. So extremely careful. Say careful. Say careful. No, no, not like that. Say careful. Say careful carefully. Say careful. Ah, the way you tell your children, careful, say careful, careful. What Saul did at Gilgal looked very harmless. It was a harmless thing, no? He waited for seven days and Samuel did not come on time or seemingly did not come on time. Harmless. Okay, anyway, he's going to come and offer sacrifice. Why don't I do it now? I'm anyway the king. 
I'm anointed. I have power. Say power. See, power brings the real test of your character. Do you know that? Anointing brings the real test of your character because anointing brings power in your life. The real test of your character. Somebody, 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 don't let this go by. See, so, see I'll tell you what was happening to Saul. Saul, Saul thought who, he knew better than God. He thought he knew better than God. What did God tell? Wait, seven days. Then I will come. Samuel, my prophet, will come. Offer the burnt sacrifice and then tell you what to do. But Saul thought, I, I know better than God. I know better than Samuel. So let me do things my way. Say careless. Not careful. Say careless. Say careless and not careful. Say power, power. Power got into his head. Power got into your head. Power can get into your head. Power can get into your head. Your gifting can get into your head. Hello, somebody listen to this. Your gifting can get into your head. You don't like this. I know that you don't like this. Because I'm, I'm saying some things which can make you really uncomfortable. Because some of you are living like that. Your gifting can get into your head. Your eloquence can get into your head. Your singing ability can get into your head. Your ability to interact with people can get into your head. Your influence over people can get into your head. Say power. Get into your head. It can get into your head. That's what happened to Saul. It got into his head. And he thought, I know better than God. This is a very specific, simple, clear word from the prophet which came to him ahead of time and told him, wait. And when I come, then I'll tell you what to do. So what happened? He missed out on what the Lord would have done for him. For, the, for now, say for now, the Lord would have. Oh, this would haunt you for a, for a while now. For now, oh, no, 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 not like that. For now, the Lord would have. The Lord would have. The Lord would have. My prayer is that none of you will have to hear that. My prayer is that none of you will have to hear that about things that God wants to do in your life because you took things into your own hands that he will have to come to you and say, the Lord would have, the Lord would have, the Lord would have given you a break, the Lord would have brought you what you really wanted, the Lord would have, the Lord would have blessed you, the Lord would have established you, the Lord would have made you like, you know, whatever the Lord wanted to do in your life. But that which you tried to acquire or accomplish or attain by your own strength, by doing that, you missed out on what the Lord would have done for you. And that which thing that you try to take a hold of will slip out of your hands. Somebody, that's, that's the reality of things. Now your self-reliance will get you into trouble. You must know this. Your self-reliance will get you into trouble. Your self-dependence will get you into trouble. Your confidence in who you are and what you can do will get you into trouble. Your confidence must be in God and what God has spoken to you. Your confidence must be in obedience. Do you know that? See, listen, your confidence must be in obedience. God spoke to me, I did accordingly, so I'm confident. I'm unshaken. Nothing is going to change me, nothing is going to affect me because I did what God wanted me to do. 
I'm not, I'm not going to be worried about a thousand can fall at my side, ten thousand by my, my right hand, but it will not come near me. Why? Because I know I did what God asked me to do. Let's go back a few verses now. Verse 8. Can we, can we play from verse 8? And now he waited seven days. 13 and verse 8. Now he waited seven days. Who waited seven days? So Saul did, almost did what he was supposed to do. He waited seven days according to the appointed time set by Samuel. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal. And the people were scattering from him. So now what is happening is, he is waiting for Samuel to come, the prophet to come. And they are going to war, say war. Okay, already if you, if you read the previous verse, you will see that the people are already terrified. Do you know that? The people who are with Saul are already so terrified, they are having shaky knees, they are departing from Saul because they don't have the, 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 the grit or the, the heart to stand by this man because they are up against a huge army, the Philistines. Okay, just for you to understand the context. So people are already leaving him and he is going to fight because he did something, they did something to provoke the Philistines. Okay? And they are like, you know, now all out to annihilate this people. So seven days he waited. And then what happened? Samuel didn't come. And when he looked around, he's seeing people leaving. Okay, that's what, that's what we read there. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal. And the people were scattering from him. So Saul said, bring to me the burnt offering and the peace offerings. And he offered the burnt offering. As soon as he finished offering the burnt offering, behold, say behold. See, God is never early, never late. Never early, never late. He'll show up right on time. Now we can jump the gun. Now how many of you, how many of you love watching athletics? Yeah, but you must love watching athletics because the Bible has a lot of allegory to the world of sports. Okay, some of the things that we see and, and study in the, in the world of sports and athletics are applicable in our spiritual lives. So you know that there's this race, let's say 100 meter sprint, okay? And they're all the, on the starting line, on the starting block, like eight of them, and the gunshot goes, or the, the starting trigger goes. And then you will hear the sound, beep, 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 beep. You know why? Because somebody, somebody jumped the gun. It's called a foul start. Before the appointed time, if you jump the gun, if you, if you jump ahead of the time, it's a foul start. And you do it once, it's a warning. You do it twice, you walk out. And if it's a finals, I think the first time itself, you can just walk out. So that's how strict they are in the, in the world of sports. Where did they get it from? From God. God has a sense of timing. Okay? Samuel gave a specific time. I'm going to come. And I'm going to tell you what to do. But Saul jumped the gun. And after he did all the stupid things that he did, as soon as he finished offering the burnt offering, behold, I like the word, say behold, behold, Samuel came. And Saul went out to meet him and to greet him. He's maybe going with corporate lights, okay? You're late, but I, I managed. It's okay. Prophet, you're a little late, but I, I managed. I, 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 I did what was supposed to be done. 
But look at what he said. But Samuel said, what have you done? What have you done? Look at the answer. Now look at this, okay? The king of Israel replying, the prophet over Israel, the judge over Israel, the one who preceded him, the one who supposed, the one who ordained him, anointed him, the one who's supposed to be his mentor, his father. Okay, he's saying, and Saul said, because I saw, say because I saw, because I saw that the people, because I saw that the people were scattering from me and that, did you see that? Let's go back one more time. Because I saw that the people were scattering from me and that you did not come within the appointed days and that the Philistines were assembling at Mishmash or Mikmash, at Mikmash, okay? Therefore I said, one more time, because I saw that and that and that, therefore I said, now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal. And I have not asked the favor of the Lord. So I forced myself and offered the burned offering. Look at his excuses. The king of Israel is now the king of excuses. That's what he is. Excuses for going against the command of God. Specific command of God. One of the, when, when confronted by the man of God, what have you done? Just four words, what have you done? He justifies himself with a long-winded sentence saying, because I saw that, and that, and that, therefore I said to myself, and I forced myself to do this. Now, one of the things I've realized in life, in my walk with Jesus, is that our hefty excuses will not work with God. Your excuse can be so heavy, so profound, so hefty. You might get a pass from man, but it will not work with God. Somebody get this. I'm telling you, I'm helping you with this. I've tried this, mis miserably failed. I presented my excuses before God, miserably failed. I could not complete the next sentence because I know that I failed. So I've learned not to do it with God. And even if I try to do it, I know before I start, I want to, I want to just run and hide. Because that's not what God wants me to do. Look at this hefty, heavy excuse. When I saw that, oh, look at the, how the kind of vision that this man has. I saw that and that and that. I said to myself, therefore I said to myself, and then I forced myself against the word which came to him. That's the, that's the thing. He forced himself to do against what the Lord spoke him to do. Are you with me? Good excuse, but it will not stand with, it will not stand before God. Now we spend a lot of time and energy scripting our, and constructing our silly excuses before God. We take a lot of time, a lot of energy. We search through the dictionaries that we have at home to, con to construct a sentence filled with excuses that, that we think will stand before God. But the truth of the matter is our excuses, God can see right through it. He can see right through our excuses. It doesn't matter how tall it is. doesn't matter how wide it is. doesn't matter how thick it is. Your excuses does not stand before God. 
that look like the right thing to do, and that's the problem. We go by how things look in our eyes. I saw that and that and that. The, the problem in the church today is we are going by sight and not by faith. We're going by what, what we can perceive with our eyes, what we can see with our eyes, what we can analyze with our minds, not with our spirit. So when we see that something is happening there, something is happening there, something is happening there, and we tell ourselves, okay, we must do something about it, and then we'll force ourselves to do that. Let's not stand before God. With God, it's simple. I'll come. Wait seven days. No complication. See, look at this. With God, there are no complications. No complications. If he, say, if he has said he will do something, he will do it. Somebody listen to this. If God has told you that he will do something, he will not fail. He will not fail. He will not fail. If he said he will show up, he will show up. He will show up. He is not forcing you to take things in your own hands. But look at the response from Samuel. For the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. That's what the Lord would have done for him. The Lord would have established his kingdom forever. For, it says forever. Forever. Church, we must come to a place where we trust God's plans more than our own plans. Very simple. It's the way to live life. Okay, you all look very, very educated and uh, high profile and all. Good, I appreciate, I respect you all for that. I regard you for that. But I want you to know that if you're pursuing your own plans and if you're defying and despising the plans of God, you are not going to reach anywhere. This is in love, I'm telling you. In love. Honestly in love. We must come to a place where we trust the plans of God over our own plans. We must be able to see that his plans are to prosper us and not to harm us. This is, I thought, oh, but, but if God, if God, this is God's plan, but it's not a foolproof plan because if God is going to delay further in sending his prophet, then all the people will leave me and I'm going to get destroyed. No, his plans are not to harm you, but to prosper you, to establish you as a king forever. He thought he's going to lose his throne. He thought he's going to lose his royalty, his kingship. He took things into his own hands. All he had to do was stay the course, just wait. For all that you know, maybe an earthquake would have happened. All the Philistines would have gone under the earth. You understand? Maybe a lightning would have struck. All of them would have got charred, just like that. God can do things like that. But we think, we think until and unless we take things into our own hands, Things won't move. Like we say, no. Um, I'll do half, God will do his half. I'll do my part, God will do his part. That's what we think. That's not how it is. God, do, God, God does his part. We just enjoy. We just enjoy. We just obey. He will do everything. We just enjoy. He does not need, see, God does not need your help. Somebody... God does not need your help. He just needs your obedience. It's a vast difference between helping God and obeying God. And we have become so big in our own eyes that we want to help God. God does not need your help. He wants your obedience. 
somebody listen to this god needs your obedience he is seeking for your obedience not your help god will not come to man and say can you please help me shaila can you please god okay shaila can you please help me he will not say that he will not but he will ask you to do something i want you to do this and you do that because you love him that is obedience so the problem is with our senses say senses what we see we tend to rely on our senses more than on the instruction from god we tend to rely on what we see more than the word which came to us now Saul could have simply trusted god's word simple thing to do right just simply trust in what god is god has spoken to him and when don to enjoy his throne being established forever without striving and warring oh how beautiful that would have been without striving without having to do anything just do what god asks you to do and just stay still be still and know that's right be still and know that he is god the size of the enemy will not matter to god if god is by your side if god is for us who can be against but he was like terrified by the number of people are coming against him and he is numbering he only have 6000 people or 3000 people with him just 3000 people with him but the enemy has outnumbered him like a huge number outnumbered by a, a huge gap so he is like oh they are leaving he is leaving out of the 3000 so many has already left so many are leaving so i need to do something about it or i will lose my throne no if god said i will establish your throne he will establish your throne we just do what he wants you to do see damage control mode is not good for you damage control mode is not good for you faith mode say faith mode say obedience mode that's what it takes that's what it takes to see what god wants to do in your life you trying to to take take uh, you know take action because oh it went out of god's hands nothing will go out of god's hands nothing will go out of nothing i said nothing will go out of god, god's hands now i like what brother king was ministering today he said you now when you meet an earthly king he'll give you x amount of time say 15 minutes to have a rendezvous with him and you're so excited okay this king gave me 15 minutes of his time and you go to him like all oh, that smile is full of gratitude and and joy and worship for this earthly king whereas the god that you serve you have access 24/7 amen you must be like this so today now worship leader has to like you know to do circus to stand on his head to make the people you know why we don't feel the awe of god because we don't trust him enough if you trust him enough we will always be in awe of god and i like what he said brother king said mentioned this that time he's got all the time in the world for you you heard that he said that he's got all the time in the world for you. you know why because time was created by god time is in his hands so that's the god that you serve see nothing will go out of hands out of his hands man all things oh, oh, oh i love this all things hold together in christ in him all things 
in whom? In Christ. All things hold together. It doesn't matter how the situation is looking. If God has said something, by his word, he has framed the world and all that is in it. Hallelujah. If this can't excite you, I don't know what can excite you. If this can't excite you, I don't know what can excite you. Hello? If this can't excite you, I don't know what can excite you. You know, what is disobedience? Okay, I'll ask my children. Damn you, what is disobedience? When you don't obey an instruction that is given. Why? Why does a person not obey? Why can't a person obey? Why will not a person obey? Why will not obey when I give you instruction? Different intentions. Okay, that's right. You are just... Let me ask somebody else, some, other, some other... Debbie. I'm looking at the children in this, in this place. I'll ask an elderly child. Why, does, why, why is it that you can't obey when there is disobedience in your life? What is the reason behind disobedience? We have our own choice. Okay, you both have said the same thing in a, in a different manner. Gabby, Gabby. Yes. You think you're right. Yeah, you're all treading on that. Absolutely. Say lack of trust. You think you're right because you don't trust that God is right or your father is right or your mother is right. You think you're right. And your opinion about that matter has a higher trust in your mind. Like you said, what do you say? Choice. You choose to go by that direction, in that direction because you don't trust the opinion of the person who spoke to you. So disobedience is a trust issue. Do you know that? Ah, we didn't know that. It's a trust issue. Sorry? Yeah, that's right. That's why we have that, uh, that song also, Trust and Obey. But there's no other way. Trust. You need to trust to obey. You can't trust some. You, can, you cannot obey anybody without trusting the person. If your child tr can trust you, then your child will obey you. When you, when you. when you have obeyed somebody, it's because you have trusted that person. So your disobedience to God is actually a trust issue. But you think you are right. You think you know better. You think you should go by your choices. If you can trust God, then we will not disobey Him. So how can you tackle disobedience? Learn to trust. Hello. How can you get rid of disobedience in your life? Learn to trust God. Trust God. Trust God. Trust God. Trust God with the situation. Don't take it in your own hands. Don't take things into your own hands. Trust God. Nothing is going to go out of His hands. Trust Him. Trust Him. Disobedience happens when we cannot trust Him and when we cannot take Him at His word. Disobedience is when we take things into our own hands. When we choose our own path to well-being. Hello? Are you getting this? When we, when you cho choose your own path to your well-being. When you choose your own path to happiness. When you choose your own path to enjoyment. 
when you choose your own path to pleasure when you choose your own path to fun when you choose your own path to prosperity when you choose your own path to a secure future when you choose all this over what god has instructed you to do there's a lack of trust and it it ends up in disobedience that's what saul attempted he couldn't trust god he thought yo now if i don't do something i'm going to lose my throne wrong see the man was anointed say anointed and i told you that to be anointed is one thing but to have a to have a heart of character is another thing so what did so the, the samuel went down to tell saul god has not god is going to like you know despise you for what you've done because he wants a person after his own heart a man after his own heart he wants a man of character say character a person after god's heart is a person of character you can be anointed but your poor character can drain out your destiny somebody you can be anointed but your poor character can drain out your destiny and it'll take years for you to realize that years say years it can take years for you to realize that your destiny has been drained out of you now his his destiny would have been different if he had fixed his character it is one like i said it's one thing to be anointed it's one thing to be gifted but totally another thing to be a man after god's own heart god can anoint and gift anybody just like that uh, you didn't know that i thought you you all thought that god will look at your your okay this man is a uh, post graduate this man uh, has 10 years work experience in the corporate world <coughs> this person has um, good interpersonal skills okay let me anoint him that's not how god does things he can anoint and give a gifting to anybody just like that you can just go in the street find a donkey seeker like Saul and anoint him you know what the anointing means that anointing means nothing unless you are willing to let that anointing change you that anointing means something to you. you know what it means it means an opportunity to to change So when Saul was anointed by God it was his opportunity to rise up to the expectations of God it was God's help God's help was with him by the way amen he had the greatest prophet by his side he had the spirit of God within him amen he had everything going well he had an obedient son in Jonathan he had people who who decided to stand with him but what to do character was not in shape character was not in shape your anointing can be great your gifting can be amazing it can ca- cause people to go wow but i'm telling you if your character is not changing with respect to your the time of your walking with jesus there is something seriously wrong it can affect the way you operate even in your gifting is it is like what jesus told the the church he wrote to the church and said i will remove your lampstands out of its place you have lampstands i place those lampstands but i'm going to remove it if you're not going to if you're not going to change if you're not going to repent i'm going to remove those lampstands out of its place 
That's why we see people who are so gifted, so anointed, and, and we think just because a person is given and anointed that this person is going to do well in life. No. Like I said, the anointing and the gifting is just a, an assistance, a tool, an empowerment from God to do what He wants you to do. But the real deal happens in, inside, on the inside of you. Your heart, He's after your heart, your thoughts, your mindset, your attitude. That's what matters to God. I've lost count. I've stopped taking count of the number of times somebody will call me or, or come to me and say, I, 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 I've, I've, I've suffered this under this person, this man of God, this kind of abuse, this kind of power abuse, this kind of sexual abuse, this kind of uh, manipulation, all kinds of stuff. And you go like, what? But now you know, yeah, possible. You know why? Because character and anointing can be two, yeah, two different things. Two different things. Your anointing does not mean anything. It does not mean anything until and unless you start to let the anointing teach you all things. The anointing must teach you all things. It must teach you to live your life. It must teach you to, to, to behave. Say behave. He thought the anointing was to, to rule over the people. No, the anointing was to do right before God. Do you know that your anointing is to do right before God? First Peter chapter 5 verses 1 and 2. Therefore I exhort the elders among you. Is it there on the screen? Among you, as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God among you. Not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God, and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Man, as you're a shepherd, God has called you to be a shepherd, but you're not to do it for solid gain. You're not to do it for, uh, uh, you know, for, the, for the sake of uh, reputation. You're not to do it to lord it over the people. You're lording it over the people. That's called power abuse. It's called manipulation. But look, it says, with eagerness. With eagerness. Every time I, I feel discouraged in, my, in, in what I, God has called me to do, I, I, I get reminded, be eager to shepherd the flock of God. Be eager. Not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God, and not for solid gain, but with eagerness. This ha man had no eagerness. Saul had no eagerness. He only had some motives to control the people, to, to be, you know, the, 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 in fact, if when you read those chapters, you will see that he took the best for himself. The mighty man in his land, he made him, made them his personal staff. And it was warned, remember? God warned the people that this is how the king's behavior is going to be towards you. He's going to do this, he's going to do that. Whereas Samuel, the anointed, he asked them all, have I ever fulfilled anything from you? Did I take your oxen? Did I take your donkey? Did I take your sheep? Did I take anything from you unjustly? And they all said no. He had character. Say character. You understand? Are you getting this? Say character. Your character is more important than your anointing. In fact, your anointing is important to you 
when placed alongside with your character. Saul was anointed, say anointed, say gifted, say great personality, but he still had to choose for himself to give heed to the voice of God. You can be anointed and gifted and a great personality, but you still have to choose for yourself to give heed to God. God gave Saul access to godly counsel through Samuel the prophet, but he still had to choose for himself to follow that counsel. You can be part of a church, but you still have to follow the counsel which God gives you. It does not come automatic. Just because you come into church and, and, and sit in, the, or, or in one of those chairs does not change anything in your life. You have to be yielded and choose for yourself to allow the word of God to affect you in a way that it will bring change. Somebody listen to this. Hallelujah. The trend of being impulsive. Say impulsive. This man was so impulsive. He went, oh, donkey, 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 donkey. He's so, he's so impulsive. Even when, he's, when he saw the prophet, he's impulsive about it. And he was doing what seemed right in his own eyes. It never left Saul. This nature never left Saul. This rashness, this haste, this hurry, this impulsiveness, it never left Saul. Say no change. I'm talking about Saul, what about you? Like Saul, other things, other areas in your life which has no change, no change, no change. Or is there change? Is there change in the way you live your life? Is there change? The anointing must be allowed, say allowed. You have to give allowance to the, the, the anointing. You have to give allowance to the anointing. To do what? To change you. The anointing must, must teach you. The anointing must be allowed to transform you. You're not anointed to live the way you want to live your life. Hello, somebody. You're not anointed to live the way you want to live your life. I'm anointed. I'm, I'm spirit-filled. So what? Yeah, I can do whatever I want. No, you can't. Are you with me? And there are many people, I'm, some of you like, okay, well, many people believe that just because they got born again and they've experienced the power of God in them, they feel that they can live, they can do whatever they want. That's not how it is. There's a change that happens. You can be anointed and still behave like a clown in front of the world. Hello? It sounds a little harsh, but that's the truth. You see clowns all, all, all across, everywhere. Anointed clowns, say anointed clowns. That's the truth. Anointed clowns. Anointed, gifted, but clowns. See, oftentimes, the name of God is mocked by the world because of the inappropriate behavior of these anointed clowns. I should call them anointed celebrities because they consider themselves as celebrities. Okay, I mean, Saul considered himself a celebrity. He had people following him all the time. He had people obeying him at his beck and call. There were people serving him. He felt like a, like a celebrity. 
for all, all the right reasons. Anointed celebrity. Your anointed celebrity status can stand in the way of obeying God. And doing it, it can cause you to do stupid things, say stupid things, and can make you look like a clown, a dumbo in front of the world, and mock the name of God because of that. And every now and then, you know, you, you get to see some, some video of some, um, you know, some servant, servant of God doing this and then like, oh, how can this happen? How did this happen? How could he do this? I'll tell you, the same thing can happen to you also. If, if it could happen to some man of God, some servant of God, some pastor somewhere, it can happen to you also. If you don't let the anointing change you. If your anointing is just an eyewash, hello? No, I'm, I'm, I'm a big believer. You know, do you know that? I'm a big believer. I, <coughs> I serve in church. I've been, I've been in church. I mean, some of the people and some of the conversations that I get to listen to. I've been serving in church uh, for so many years. So many years I've been serving in church. I've been a part of the church for so many years. Does not see any change. I told you, like, just last week I told you, 20 years, part of a church, but the, when, the, when the new person came in, he can't see any change in the people. They are still affected by the very same things that culture is affected by. The church must cause change, bring change. Communities must be affected. Amen. Hello. If you take pride in the fact that you're a Kottam citizen or a child, I have to use the word, only then you will feel it. If you take pride in the fact that you're a Kottam Achayan or a Trivula Achayan or whatever Achayan, yeah, if that's your pride in life and you have completely neglected the fact that you're anointed to have a different character and a different culture. Amen? Hallelujah. You're not a citizen of Kottam or a citizen of India. Yes, you are. But far above that, you're a citizen of heaven. You have a heavenly citizenship. You have a culture of a different kingdom which must be evident, amen, in and through your life and through your behavior. So when an anointed person does something, it is perceived as an acceptable behavioral pattern by gullible people. Oh, but that man is so anointed. He's so gifted. You know, when he prays, healings happen. When he prays, uh, you know, demons flee. Yeah, he's anointed. And then, whatever else he does, which is not in line with the word of God, gets an approval and acceptance by gullible people. That is why we have many blind leading the... We have many blind leading the blind. If you're anointed by God, then you're also answerable to God. Hello? How many anointed by God? Can you put your hands up? Let me see all those hands. Yeah? Anointed by God, put your hands up like really up. Yeah? You're also answerable to God. You're answerable to God. Your anointing comes with a responsibility, an accountability towards God. It's a stewardship. 
the change of character is the most important aspect in a christian's life but this man was stuck who was stuck saul was stuck the man never outgrew his his flawed character he was though he was promoted from being a donkey seeker into a the king of israel he never outgrew his flawed character he he got stuck there now regarding the now this is with regards to what happened uh, in chapter 13 with regards to his action of taking things into his own hands but remember what we were considering last week we were looking at what happened when he was asked to go and utterly destroy the no no huh no but which 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 group of people the amalekites the amalekites so saul was given god called saul and said see this this people have tormented you when you came out of egypt so now i wanted to go and completely say utterly utterly destroy man and woman child and infant and every beast there is utterly destroy bring it to a complete destruction don't spare anybody what did he do huh he persisted in the same mode he spared the king he spared the animals the good animals the best animals he allowed the people to see the, look at this so the the character the flawed character that he had persisted with him it was not just a one of one of mistake it stayed with him your anointing must not be allowed to coexist with your the old man hello your anointing must not be allowed to coexist with your old man that's a dangerous combination i'm telling you a dangerous combination anointed and gifted and great personality but the person is still with the the old man who was supposed to be dead and buried because the anointing is for the renewed man a new creation the where the old has gone the new has come man and from day to day this this new man should work with the anointing so that you can please god so saul defeated the amalekites from havila as you go to shur which is east of egypt and he he captured agag or agag the king of the amalekites alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword but Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep the oxen the fatlings the lambs and all that was good and were not willing to destroy them utterly but everything despised and worthless that they utterly destroyed then the word of the lord came to Samuel saying i regret that i have made Saul king for he has turned back from following me and has not carried out my commands and Samuel was distressed and cried out to the lord all night and samuel rose early in the morning to meet saul and it was told samuel saying saul came to carmel and behold he set up a monument for himself and then turned and proceeded on down to gilgal and samuel said to saul and saul said to him blessed are you of the lord i have carried out the command of the lord has he did he Did he carry out the command of the Lord? 
But Samuel said, What then is this bleating of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? Meaning, what am I hearing? I am not hearing what God has asked you to do. So there is something in your life contrary to the voice of God. Your actions, your life is causing... Your, your actions, your life is causing something else to be heard in the place of the voice of God. Can God hear something else? Can God hear something else? Is all good? No bleating, no lowing? In your life, no bleating, no lowing? If there are things in your life which is contrary to what God has spoken to you, then God will ask you, what then is the bleating of the sheep? What then is the lowing of the oxen? May your life be built in accordance to the voice of God. Let there be nothing heard in your life which is contrary to the word of God. Let there be nothing heard in your life contrary to the word of God. And Saul said, they have brought them from the Amalekites for the people spared the best of the sheep and oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God, but the rest we have utterly destroyed. Then Samuel said to Saul, wait, and let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. And he said to him, speak. And Samuel said, is it not true? Look at this. Is it not true? Though you were little in your own eyes, you have made the head of the tribes of Israel. And the Lord anointed you king over Israel. And the... Do you remember where you were? Do you remember how you were? Like Saul, you were little in your own eyes. I don't know about you, but I was like that. A man full of complexes. Full of complexes. Had no personality. Had, had nothing. I was little in my own eyes. But God called me to serve him empowered him, empowered me, amen, to be his anointed. Now how can I forget my God? When you were little in your own eyes, I made you the head of all the tribes of Israel. I anointed you to be a king over this nation. It's good to remember where we came from. Good to remember where we came from. How miserable our life was, Amen. How miserable our life was before you met with Jesus. Is it not true? Though you were little in your own eyes, you have made the head of the tribes of Israel. And the Lord anointed you the king over Israel. And the Lord sent you on a mission, say mission. And said, go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are exterminated. It's a mission. Do you know your mission from God? Do you know your mission from God? I'm asking you. Do you know your mission from God? Is your life in accordance to that mission? Are you living your life in accordance to that? When you were little in your own, in your own eyes, you had no confidence in who you were. You were little. You had, you're full of complexes. You're full of ego. You're full of all kinds of complexities in your mind. But I made you the head of all the tribes of Israel. 
I made you king over this nation. But you have forgotten the mission. Say mission. You've forgotten your mission. So in the place of the mission which God gave you, you have your own missions now. The mission was to deliver the people of God from the enemies. The mission was to annihilate every enemy who will try to act tough to this people and to lead the people in the ways of God. That is the mission. But what are you doing now? Look at that. The next verse. Go and, and the Lord sent you on a mission and said, go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are exterminated. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord, but rushed upon the spoil? You rushed upon the spoil. Your, your eyes got distracted. Your vision got distracted from the mission of God. And you rushed upon the spoil. Those things looked better to you. The opportunities of this world look better to you. The riches of this world look better to you. The fatlings of this world look better to you. Than what? Than the mission which God has sent you on. See, this is, a, this is a true state of the church today. A lot of people in the church are living like this. God has sent them on a mission. But are they living up to the mission? Not really, not everyone. Like, but like I said, this is a time for the church to rise up. The church to take action. The this is the time for the church to, to change and stop living any way you want to live. The problem is we've forgotten where we come from. We've forgotten where we come from. If it had not been for Jesus, where would I be? I love that song. I'm so glad that the Lord saved me. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord, but rushed upon the spoil and did what was evil in the sight of the Lord? Then Saul said to Samuel, I did obey the voice of the Lord. Look at this. Did he obey the voice of the Lord? What is he saying? I did obey the voice of the Lord and went on the mission on which the Lord sent me and have brought back Agag, the king of Amalek and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. Everything is a lie. Everything is a? So to your, to justify your corruption, you will lie, say lie. You will resort to lying even before God. I have, I did obey the voice of the Lord and went on the mission on which the Lord sent me and have brought back Agag, the king of Amalek and have utterly, utterly destroyed the Amalekites. Look at this, but, say but. See, now the blame game starts. But the people, who are you? Who are you? King. Who are you talking about? Your people. But the people took some of the, some, say some of the spoil. Some of the spoil, sheep and oxen, the choices of the things, now suddenly change in language. The choices of the things devoted to destruction, to sacrifice to the, to the Lord your God at Gilgal. It's all for 
It's all for the kingdom. See, listen. God does not need your chillera. Please. Your, your change does not impress God. He's after your heart. He's after your obedience. You give him some fatlings and some sheep and some, some donkeys and some this and that and say, this is all for worship. He does, he's not impressed. In fact, God does not want anything from you. Do you know that? And it, it, it will set you free. God does not want anything from me. He is not looking for anything from you except your obedience. All that he wants is an obedient heart. That's the only thing he wants. And you have, you have your reasons to do something. I want to do this and I want to make money and I want to support the kingdom. Did God ask you to do it? Did God ask you to do it? And you live any way you want. There's no devotion to God. You have no time for God. You are far from God and you're doing your own number. But you are telling the Lord, I have completely obeyed you and I've, I'm on a mission that you send me on and all that I'm doing outside of it is to worship you. No, you are not. That is not worship. God is not pleased with that worship. God is not pleased with that worship. God hates that worship. And the people took, the people, not me, people like, like uh, Eve was blaming it on, no, Adam was blaming it on Eve. Like, like that, that woman that you gave, she is the problem. The people took some of the spoil, sheep and oxen, and the choices of the things devoted to destruction to sacrifice to the Lord your God at Gilgal. And Samuel said, Samuel said, has the Lord as much delight in burned offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. Obedience, say obedience. The most precious thing that you can give unto God is obedience. There's nothing more precious than that. That's your devotion, that's your worship. That's your worship. And it goes on to say, verse 23, for rebellion is as the sin of divination. And insubordination is as iniquity and idolatry. He's calling rebellion sorcery. He's calling rebellion. He's calling disobedience sorcery. Now you feel like you know all those people who, uh, who practice witchcraft, the warlords, and the the you know you know all the the people who are resorting all that. You feel oh, how terrible they live. But God says your rebellion is just like that. There's no difference from you and them. If you're living in rebellion, you are a sorcerer. You are a witch or a warlord. Are you with me? Are you getting this? It can sound harsh, but that's the truth. That's what God's word says. For rebellion is as the sin of divination, and insubordination is as the iniquity, is, is as iniquity and idolatry. Because why do you why are you insubordinate? Why are you insubmissive to God? Because you have another God in your life. Isn't that why? Because you have another God in your life, you can't submit to your God. So that's why he says it's idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. Praise God, we are, 
we are living on a different dispensation but these standards are still the standards of god still the standards of god god still goes by these standards he will not bypass those standards amen the new testament church is accountable to god just as much as this man in the old testament was supposed to be accountable to god his anointing came to him with a responsibility so did your anointing come to you with a responsibility your gifting came with a responsibility because you have rejected the word of the lord he has also rejected you from being king rejection of god's word equals rejection of god god's call over your life then saul said to samuel i have sinned i have indeed transgressed the command of the lord and your words because i feared the people and the, and listen to the voice now therefore please pardon my sin and return with me that i may worship the lord but samuel said to saul i will not return with you for he have rejected the word of the lord see this is a serious offense rejecting god's word is a serious offense that's why you must think twice before coming coming to church you never heard heard that from me right you must think twice before sitting through a sermon you must think twice before opening god's word and i'm being very serious being honest with you you must think twice before opening up god's word because if you reject god's word it's a rejection of god i will not return with you for you have rejected the word of the lord and the lord has rejected you from being king over israel and as samuel turned to go saul seized the edge of his robe and it tore so so samuel okay now he's somehow trying he knows that he has messed up and he's somehow trying to keep the prophet of god with him and he he pulled him to the extent that the rope tore at the edge so samuel said to him the lord has torn the kingdom of israel from you today even that is prophetic the lord has torn the kingdom of israel from you today and has given it to your neighbor who is better than you and also the glory of israel will not lie or change his mind he is not a man that he should change his mind then he said i have sinned but please honor me now all he wants is some honor i have sinned but please honor me now before the elders of my people and his character has never changed even after he knows that he has sinned he is only asking samuel just honor me in front of this people before the elders of my people and before israel and go back with me that i may worship the lord your god so samuel went back following Saul and Saul worshiped the Lord. Then Samuel said, "Bring me Agag, the king of the Amalekites." And Agag came to him cheerfully. And Agag uh he thought everyone in the in the kingdom is like Saul. He thought everyone, see I wanted to know that not everyone in the kingdom is like those losers. Okay, who's got who live in double standards. Okay? You would have seen people who have fallen short of the grace of God. but not everyone in the kingdom is like that there are samuels in this generation also and samuel said bring me agag the king of the amalekites and agag king came to him cheerfully and agag said surely the bitterness of death is past he's so happy i've come to a place where this thing is compromised it's a compromise 
the world thinks that you are on a compromise mode because of your actions that's the problem the church the 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 the, the body language of the church today is compromise so the world thinks we can compromise with the with the church and they'll come cheerfully into the church hello do you know that the world is coming in cheerfully into the church because they think it's a place of compromise that's the wrong reason to bring in the world the world must come in knowing that this is the place for change a place of forgiveness a place of meeting with the one true living god a praise place of deliverance and healing not a place where we can compromise and do our thing that we've been doing in the world bring me agag the king of the amalekites and agag came to him cheerfully and agag said surely the bitterness of death is past but samuel said as your sword has made women childless so shall your mother be childless among women and samuel hewed agag to pieces it literally means butchered he butchered agag to pieces before the lord at gilgal then samuel went to rama but Saul went up to his house at Gibeah of Saul and Samuel look at this and Samuel did not see Saul again until the day of his death for Samuel grieved over Saul i hope nobody is grieving over you i hope no anointed men of god or women of god are grieving over you because of your rebellion Samuel grieved i hope your parents are not grieving over you I hope those who are praying for you are not grieving over you. Samuel grieved over Saul, and the Lord regretted that he had made Saul king over Israel. 